The text for our message is Habakkuk 3, 16 to 19. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. I'm going to add the last two sentences. Usually these little uh, emendations in the text we don't include, but since uh, Habakkuk has that song, um, I wanted to read that for the director of music on my stringed instruments, just to remind us that he wrote uh, chapter three as a song, right? Okay. So we finally arrived at the most famous lines uh, of the book and perhaps the only ones uh, people tend to remember. Habakkuk's declaration of faith uh, in the face of calamity and adversity is certainly memorable. Uh, The buzzword yet, yet is apropos. Um, The yet kind of faith um, is what we sorely need in our current day with a pandemic raging and political, economic uncertainty and what seems like a climatic uh, precipice, right? You hear about some of the uh, temperatures and, and, and the measures that have like really been surprising. So uh, we need to hear the yet, we need to feel the yet, we I need to declare uh, the yet. Uh, It's a word of defiance, um, of stubborn trust in God. Uh, When you're supposed to give up uh, or give in, uh, instead you give God your trust. Yet is a word that says, uh, I don't understand how God could allow this to happen. Uh, Yet I will trust in him. Or, Uh, I do understand what is happening, and it's uh, dreadful, Uh, yet I will believe in God. Or I can't see my way through tomorrow, let alone the future, yet I will put my hope uh, in God. What Habakkuk observed, um, heard, and came to struggle with um, absolutely should give cause for disturbance. Uh, Any person... Uh, would have had issues with what lay ahead, uh, the pending doom. Uh, It's not that Habakkuk just ignores his rationality or emotions. Uh, His fear comes across raw and uncensored. Uh, But his fear is pierced with that three-letter word, Mm, yet. Uh, Habakkuk finishes his writings uh, with what I am calling an imperturbable faith. Uh, It means that he can't be perturbed or moved or derailed. He is secure and sure. He will not falter, uh, having gone through all of his protests. He's not ready to fully trust in God and whatever God will bring and whatever God will cause uh, to happen. Uh, That security and uh, stability is what we need in our era uh, in spades. 
Habakkuk's uh, faith uh, enables him to stand firm in the storm. His perspective on the world and God and himself uh, is now um, unflappable. It is uh, imperturbable, as states uh, my title. Uh, as we've been slogging or flying through the book of Habakkuk for the past six or seven weeks, uh, like I said, we've reached our final set of verses. Today we conclude our examination on the theme that I uh, dubbed a new world, um, a better world, a better one. Um, the new world is not going to come through a process or a manner or through actor, actors that Habakkuk wants. Uh, in fact, it's the last thing that he would want. As we have looked at in the first two chapters, as well as the majority of chapter three, Habakkuk is engaging in a dialogue of protest with God. He didn't like the way God let things devolve. And when God tells him that uh, the Lord is going to employ the hated Babylonians, Habakkuk dislikes God's remedy uh, altogether. Hence, there are a number of questions uh, as well as attempts to persuade God to take another course, uh, even as late as verse 15 in chapter 3. Uh, however, as it, our text tells us, Habakkuk turns the corner big time in chapter 3, verse 16. Uh, it's been a long journey uh, for Habakkuk to come to these conclusions. But convicted, he has become that God's way is indeed the only way. Uh, Habakkuk finally acknowledges that he has gotten the message about Babylon's uh, coming triumph at the Israelites' expense. Uh, he's afraid because he actually believes the words concerning Judah's demise uh, to be true. Uh, his song earlier in the chapter. Uh, had expressed hope uh, in the early in the uh, previous displays of God's um, power. And Habakkuk sang of the visible manifestations of God, and then today's verses uh, provide a as powerful a counterpoint to what he has said before as can be. In verses sixteen through nineteen. Uh, he sings of his joy. Uh, even when God's favor and blessing and protection are absent. You know, uh, Brother Matt led us in an opening prayer where we went over the reasons that we could give thanks, uh, personal life, church life, uh, national life. Um, somehow Habakkuk goes even further even when you can't point to anything that's yours or that people would typically call a blessing, he's still going to give thanks. He's still going to be joyful. So um, I, want to, I want us to explore that uh, today, that despite the absence of whatever God's gifts or the things that we could be typically uh, rejoice over, where does Habakkuk generate this kind of faith? Uh, accordingly, I wanted to organize the rest of my sermon um, in terms of this absence or uh, privation, right? Privation is a root word of like deprivation. To highlight that in spite of adversity, Habakkuk will stick to his faith. Yeah, Habakkuk and God's people, they're going to be lacking big time. They'll lose everything, uh, material abundance, 
jobs, lands, freedom, nation, temple, safety, families, many lives, they're all going to be lost. Even their pride will be dealt a mortal blow. Yet, at least for Habakkuk, he knows and trusts that God has not abandoned him or the Israelites. Habakkuk will keep on waiting. He'll keep on trusting. And he'll keep on uh, rejoicing. Uh, so I sectioned our passage into three parts. Okay. Uh, Habakkuk talks about the physical symptoms that come upon his body, right? Trembling and his bones and all that. So that's one area that he's losing something in. He's weakening in, right? In verse 16. Uh, yet, right, he's going to hold on to his faith. And then the second part, it follows verses 17 and 18 with economic privation. And there's going to be a a big problem with uh, the harvest. There's going to be uh, major financial issues. Yet he's going to trust in God. And then... uh, the third part I called uh, psychological, like verse uh, based on verse 19. Now I know it's not a direct reference to mental pressure. Right? Um, you know, verse 19 talks about strength, the strength of God, and then this enabling to go on the heights. Um, it it could refer to a spatial or maybe a mechanical boost that uh, Habakkuk is uh, receiving, but. Uh, to me, uh, I'll talk about it more, but it's more like a psychological resurgence, right? The mental strength, uh, the, the the sense that he is uh, somehow, he can imagine himself, like, you know, hiking the, the mountains, the, the steep mountainsides. So uh, we'll finish with some talk about uh, the loss of mental peace and yet... Uh, a continued trust in God. All right. So first, um, physical degradation and faith imperturbable. Ever since God told him, Habakkuk uh, did not and could not believe that God would lead his people to destruction. But once he accepts that God's promise is trustworthy, even if it means the end of the world as he knows it, Habakkuk, um, he has a visceral reaction. Uh, He fears the coming horror in every part of his body. His heart, lips, bones, and legs are are internally shaking. The pounding of his heart, the sense of weakness in his bones, the trembling of his faltering legs. They suggest the, the physical manifestations of this internal realization of what is to come. And they're all, all too real, right? Um, it actually sounds to me like a panic attack. That's what he's going through. Uh, physical health these days is something none of us can take for granted. Uh, with the current COVID U.S. death count at 244,000 and climbing, we have no grounds for bodily confidence. And it's not like other diseases or maladies are are all gone. They're no longer an issue. I mean, they persist. We're at risk to them, or you may already have them. You may be suffering from them. 
and it's just kind of so so much more compounded by this uh, crazy coronavirus. Uh, I talked with a scientist uh, a while back, um, and he told me that the research that his company has been doing, uh, they've concluded that the virus is actually very clever. I mean, you're anthropomorphizing a, a virus, but um, you know the spikes that come out of that that hate, hateful ball. <laughs> It's a spike protein. Um, it's been seen to to have a standing up, standing and lying down uh, conformation. It could either stand up or you could lie down. Uh, at least uh, in their in vitro studies, right? they've observed this. And COVID appears to spend more time in the lying down position. And so theoretically, it's. It evades recognition by the immune system by hiding its surface area that would bind to the human cell. So it's like trying to survive, trying to go undetected longer. Wow. <laughs> Weird, but wow. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, uh, when we're going through something difficult, uh, bodily speaking, especially if it's chronic, it is hard to exercise faith. Uh, it's true that a sickness can make us more uh, prayerful, but it can also make us, you know, uh, it can it can really uh, sap out any sort of energy or strength. It can make us bitter at, at God. You know, for those with uh, ungo- ongoing unresolved pain. I'm told that doctors worry depression right, can set in because there's no remedy, there's no cure sometimes. So if God doesn't um, provide answers, if he doesn't give us relief, um, no, our, our faith can take quite a hit. That's why Habakkuk's declaration of faith is uh, so inspiring. Uh, he can see that the Babylonian army will definitely inflict pain and agony among the people. There will be bloodletting and death. Uh, his people will be violently treated and forcibly expatriated far from their childhood homes. Some will die in exile. Habakkuk himself probably will not live through it all. Despite that, Habakkuk declares he will wait patiently for God's deliverance. So verse 16 records the first yet, yet comes up. So no matter the visible evidence, he will believe in what God has spoken. Habakkuk believes that God will establish justice on earth. He trusts God's word and patiently will wait because God is the guarantor of the victory. Throughout the physical hardship that lay before him, Habakkuk will cling to the hope that the day of calamity will come. If you notice in verse 16, when he talks about the calamity, he says the calamity of the invading nation, i.e. Babylon. Um, Again, this indicates that Habakkuk has accepted what God had said will occur. Judah will first be overthrown by Babylon, but Habakkuk holds on to the hope that Babylon in turn will meet its own bitter defeat, destruction. Thus Habakkuk will hang on and persevere until Babylon herself is crushed. This would open the way, uh, I think, in Habakkuk's mind for God to return the Israelites to Jerusalem. Okay, so even in physical 
chaos, physical uh, difficulty. Uh, Habakkuk says, I will rejoice. I will keep my faith. Uh, Next, right? Uh, Habakkuk's uh, yet kind of faith will outlast the economic downturn that was sure to come. In verse 17, uh, Habakkuk proceeds to describe uh, famine-like conditions. He lists all the typical sources of food in the agricultural commerce of the ancient world. Fig trees, grapevines, olive trees, fields of produce, sheep, uh, and cattle. Uh, He envisions all of these supply chains to come to a grinding halt. Um, It's unclear if he had uh, maybe knowledge of an impending drought or an agricultural blight, um, or if he had lived through one in recent memory. Even if he's not talking about a literal famine, um, the Babylonian invasion will likely have a very similar effect. Babylon conquered nations uh, not only to assert her imperial might, but to exact tribute and uh, products slash resources from the nations they subdued. Uh, Habakkuk is under no illusion that things will be status quo. Uh, If they come, there will be a privation of food, comfort, material goods um, as a result of God's judgment. Again, uh, in spite of all this, Habakkuk concludes with the conviction that he will find joy in God. Uh, the fact that, uh, Habakkuk, that that God is Habakkuk's savior and sovereign Lord and strength uh, does not change. So Habakkuk's confidence and hope will not change either. You know, perhaps this is one of the, I think, greatest lessons that uh, the book teaches us. If we look at our circumstances or our past or our future, uh, we can be overwhelmed with what is happening. What Habakkuk focuses most on is who God is uh, to him, right? Circumstances, you just imagine it all being, you know, very, very, very different, very uh, fluctuating, ups and downs. But if you look to God, he stays exactly the same. God never changes. God's faithfulness to Habakkuk never changes. That can never change. So what he does is he Habakkuk pins his well-being financial and otherwise, upon the unchanging and powerful and consistent and constant God whom he serves. This is uh, actually uh, kind of very um, like spiritually deep or spiritually advanced. Like you look at the Psalms, the Psalmists talk a lot about like, you know, they, they thank God, right? For, for Thanksgiving season, Psalms are a great thing to, to, to read. And um, you know, um, yeah, there is an expression of all the difficulties that they're going through and stuff, but most of the uh, expressions of joy and thanksgiving uh, is in identifiable, discernible uh, blessings, God's good deeds and protection, which makes sense logically. What makes Habakkuk's faith kind of illogical is that he rejoices despite the lack of goods and protection. Uh, He's prepared to live by faith, right? Uh, Prepared to live by the unseen promises. The righteous will live by faith, uh, even in suffering. When the harvest is in, everyone is happy. There's a cornucopia of provision 
to give thanks to God about. But when the harvest does not come in, uh, who is grateful for scarcity? Oh, I don't have anything. Oh, thank God for that. That sounds so kind of like you're, you're not thinking straight. What Habakkuk does, I think, is he connects scarcity with the consequence of sin. Now, it's not always the case that um, scarcity means that you know, God's punishing us. But in this instance, it was. And so the spiritually mature Habakkuk here recognizes and accepts the difficulties as well as the blessings as indications of God's presence uh, in Israel. Right? God humbled his people, for example, in, in the desert the wilderness uh, to uh, he let them hunger in the desert so they would seek him. And so maybe scarcity here uh, can help the Israelites recognize that God is speaking uh, to them. To be able to say thank you, to be able to say praise God, to be able to say strong, keep strong faith in when you don't have anything uh, of your necessities or of your, uh, material uh, needs met. Um, the economic repercussions of COVID has been have been long and painful. Um, even if we still have jobs and can pay our expenses, um, you know we we see we're informed we're aware of the financial hardships that so many people are undergoing. Uh, how would we react if uh, we personally encountered? monetary scarcity or if our income was irregular or gone um, if our savings ran dry if we missed you know uh, our rent or our, our mortgage payment um, maybe that's something you're actually having to to deal with yeah. would we still rejoice and hope in our savior or would we kind of be stuck in our in the worldview of bewilderment, right? Or that Habakkuk expressed in uh, chapters 1 to chapter 3, verse 15. So like Habakkuk, we need this second yet, right? That was a second yet in that section uh, to kick in. All right, so we had the physical adversity with the economic scarcity. Uh, the last decline... Um, that I wanted to talk about, the last kind of deficit that uh, may occur um, in, in, in these kind of uh, situations um, is a loss of morale. Like our hearts are heavy. We just don't have energy or hope. And kind of at what that is at the expense of our mental strength, our kind of equanimity, right? When, you know, there is like national security issues when there, when it looks like an invasion is coming. How can, if the Babylonians are coming to kill and to destroy, you know, how can we be, you know, peaceful? Can we be kind of, uh, how can we be um, at ease uh, in our minds? Again, the prophet doesn't actually contrast these um, adverse conditions like anxiety or he doesn't use a third yet. Um, I just kind of, you know, took it in verse 19. Uh, it, it doesn't mention mental health, uh, deterioration of mental health as a result of God's painful discipline. It, it, 
you know, verse 19 refers to the strength from the sovereign Lord or in the sovereign Lord, but it doesn't, it doesn't specify what type of strength. Right? So it could be physical strength. It could be spiritual strength. It could be you know, any number of things. Uh, but the verse also provides a zoological metaphor, right? You get this, you know, Habakkuk says, God enables him to scale the heights as a sure-footed deer. Right? Of course, these, this could be a, a physical or a motile benefit that Habakkuk is talking about. But I think it's it, 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 it works well. It applies well to this idea of mental or psychological anxiety. Yeah. When the bad news of the Babylonians coming, it does really knock us out. It could knock us out physically, we get physically debilitated, but I think the encumbrance, the burden, the, the real damage is upon our, our, our minds, uh, upon our, our, our our psyches. When God sends judgment, certainly we're going to lose a lot of things, but, you know, it's this peace, it's this stability, it's this shalom that's, you know, I think is disturbed uh, most of all. So that's why I'm taking it, uh, this tack. It's more of an application than a, a like a, say, a, uh, uh, re- an identification of the original meaning. Okay, I just want to be hermeneutically acceptable to myself and to you. Um, yeah, so uh, if, taking it from an applicational angle, uh, when Habakkuk is mentally exhausted, mentally drained, he'll find strength in God. Uh, even though he's going to have to go through the valley of the shadow of death journey with Babylon on its way, Habakkuk's mind will be light. Uh, as easy as a mountain goat's prancing uh, on the heights of a precarious rocky overhang. Yeah, uh, I think COVID has uh, damaged the way our world operates in so many ways. Um, we've talked about the medical aspects as well as the economic losses. But to me, the most prevalent harm is, is really anxiety. Uh, we are overtaxed. We're uh, mentally overburdened. Uh, as I said, everything is three times harder. Right, mentally speaking, the kids schooling, pumping gas, right, buying toilet paper. It's like three times harder to just go buy and, and think about toilet paper. Uh, sneezing in public. I'm just coming up with these things. Going for a run. I mean, it's like nothing is easy. Nothing is simple. Nothing is, um, you know, uh, mentally uh, free or easy. Uh, multiplied over eight months with no real end in sight. Uh, and I, I don't think any of us really feel like skipping around on any mountainside vistas, right? Well, Habakkuk must have been mentally anguished and fatigued after engaging God in prayer and protest. Uh, maybe that's why he ends uh, with a song. That's why I wanted to get that last uh, couple of, of words and um, phrases in. Yeah, he needs some like stringed instruments. He needs Margin Jerry to play him a song right about now with these words right? to kind of to ease his soul, to, to, to take away some of this stress. Uh, you know, I, I hope you found a similar counterpart to help you cope with the burdens uh, of the pandemic and the election and the 
pardon the sucky aspects of the year 2020. Of course, these are not uh, substitutes, right, to the substance of Habakkuk's spiritual success. It's the means, it's the medium of, of music, but it's really the strength that he's found in God. He's committed to rejoicing, uh, even in the angst. Yeah, I, I so admire Habakkuk's ability to be mentally, uh, a bit, to not be mentally overwhelmed, if, if that's what he's referring to. Uh, a pastor's webinar that I attended um, recently uh, shared that, uh, shared an obvious conclusion. The number one state or experience that pastors reported was, guess what? Exhaustion, right? A sense of exhaustion. You know, work from home can be a nice idea. But I think many of us have channeled the, like, the physical demands of commuting or, you know, going to the office or to work into increased mental burden. Like, we want to do more. We feel like we should do more. And that's just killing us. Killing me. Uh, will we be able to articulate a credible yet, even when the burdens of the day spiral out of control. I doubt I'm there yet. Maybe you're there or getting there, or maybe you're not there yet either, but I think that's okay. You know, as I'm wrapping up this message in this chapter and the entire book, I, I wanted to just kind of, you know, mention again, I, I felt like we should cover the whole book. Usually I, I think I've spoken on Habakkuk 3 before this section, but I thought, like, we've got to go step by step. We've got to go section by section because not only to understand what Habakkuk is going through, but to notice that actually Habakkuk makes progress. Like, where he is in chapter 1 1 and where he is at 319, very different, right? Um, he's making progress um, in his faith. And so, even if we're not there yet even if we don't have this bold yet i will rejoice you know have we moved have we moved the needle uh, a little bit am i making progress in my faith am i submitting myself more readily to god's purposes no matter how disagreeable they may seem uh, to me now, what's the um, best outcome if we if we were if we took a poll what would be the best result of a complaint or um, you know a protest of injustice might be I think we would probably say, well, the complaint is is resolved or the injustice gets fixed. Yeah, that, that would be an ideal or, or, or a very nice uh, result. But that doesn't always happen, right? It's not always in our control. It's, you know, it's in God's control and he doesn't always make that work or in our, in our, in our time frame. So I was thinking, you know what we should really use as a metric for whether something good has come out of all of this is, um, have I changed? Have I made progress in my faith? Even just a little bit, or maybe a lot of bit. Yeah, you know, it happened to Habakkuk. Something changed in him. He goes from how long, O Lord, to I will wait as long as necessary. He goes from like, this, this is intolerable to I am Mr. Imper- imperturbable, right? Um, I don't think he used those words, <laughs> actually. It's hard to pronounce. It's a tongue twister, right? Yeah. I think that's what it means when we get that that little little section there in chapter two four, right? The righteous will live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. So that living by faith means that no matter what's going on, right, the righteous will live by faith. Yeah. 
Yeah, no matter what um, physical um, maladies, whatever the economic struggles, whatever the mental anguish, I'm going to keep on uh, rejoicing and keep on loving and serving God regardless of the circumstances. I'm going to live by faith. Right? That's what I want us to walk away with. Uh, so let's wrap up the series. Uh, I want to just uh, go over the sections uh, or just look at them and go, man, we covered a lot of ground. Um, this book was uh, uh, certainly uh, challenging to cover. It was challenging to teach, but I trust that you found some aspects helpful, right? Um, let's make progress. Let's make our worldview, my personal worldview, our church's worldview, um, start looking like God's worldview. Let's uh, live by faith, right? Uh, despite our circumstances, God is good and worthy of praise. To him, let's turn. Let's pray, uh, reflecting uh, a few moments.